0: Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Media Network.
1: The idea of the, you know, I mean, is improvisation. I guess that that's the jazz element is like trying to be a true improviser and play changes coherently and melodically and be singing with the guitar. So, you know, that's the thing. Finding this kind of raw Wu-Tang soup of like, yeah, it's me playing all the instruments, but like somehow keeping some wild inspiration in the moment in there, you know, which is first takes usually the best for, for that kind of thing, you know? So that's, what's nice about the tape. It's like, okay, do the first take, leave it, come back to it later. Cause it's just good. Enough, you know, just like, yeah, okay. I got to stop. That's it. Okay. That's good enough. Like, Oh, there's things that I'm like, Oh God, I can't hear it. But I'm, but I'm proud of that one. That one, you know, I think it says what I want to say.
0: Welcome concert goers and music fanatics. My name is Lance Ingram and in this Encore episode of Yesterday's Concert, Ryan Scott discusses his incredible solo album, A Freak Grows in Brooklyn. Grab your earplugs as we get the full story. Well, I'm here with the amazing Ryan Scott, and we're going to talk a little bit about his fantastic top five favorite album for me, uh, a, Bro- a Freak Rose in Brooklyn album. We're also going to talk a, little bit, a little, bit, little bit about live music. But to get started, we want to do some establishing credibility. We want to re- do a quick Q&A with him just to get to know him real fast. So, Ryan, first question. Welcome to the show, first off. Glad to have you here. Thank you,
1: you so here. much. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for your kind words.
0: Awesome. Well, I got a lot more in store, man. So get ready. So first quick question. First song you learned to play on the guitar.
1: Who? good question. Uh, it might've been, this is really silly, but like this land is your land, but it was a arrangement, a finger picking arrangement.
0: Okay. That, that takes the cool notch up like five points. So you good know, job. I
1: might've been freight train or so, you know, what, uh, which I yeah. honest, I don't know
0: who wrote that, but some finger style. I mean, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Yeah. I would okay. say that's probably the first. Okay, good good answer. First song you wrote. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I uh, probably some weird jazz compositions in high school for the reno jazz festival for our combo to play that's a cool answer
0: no that's a really cool (laughs) answer i dig that one i really dig that one
1: and finished finished songs you know something no no no, yeah yeah for sure
0: that's great so what was the first song you ever recorded
1: uh well i guess yeah recorded in what way or just
0: in a in a studio or yeah, oh well, I guess that you do a lot oh, of your own stuff. Actually, yeah. So
1: No, that's an easy answer. We had our teenage blues band. I was working my buddy Roger's Masson, had a studio close to where I live and I was de- so we made a demo there. That was the first studio. Are you proud of that demo? Uh I mean, <laughs> yeah for a 12-year-old, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's pretty you, and actually you can hear things about you know something in the guitar that still is there i mean you know a
0: lot less refined but
1: uh (laughs) i have it i have so i might have to send that over to you
0: (laughs) dude i want to check that out you're like i'm so enticed right now i gotta check this out this is awesome
1: i mean lower your expectations as low as i could go (laughs) and then it might you know you might be like oh cool (laughs) Uh.
0: okay so if you could open up for any artist out there who would you open up for D'Angelo. Uh, that's a sick answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. Okay, so Thank what's your favorite? I know you're a jazz guy, so what's your favorite jazz album? I, that, that's almost an
1: impossible question. But
0: what, What's your current favorite jazz album?
1: I mean, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I had a thought about one of my most favorite jazz albums, and I thought about it. It popped into my head today for
0: some reason. was Hank Mobley's Soul Station. Oh, that's a fantastic one. Fantastic. Oh. I'm, I'm loving your answers. You're making me fall more in love with you with every answer you give me.
1: This is but great. that's hard. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm trying to think about like what if there's a jazz record that I've listened to. I don't know. I, it's like I'm not listen, I'm listening to so much right now. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, Soul Station, I'll go with that. That's, that's, uh, yeah,
0: that's a good one. Okay. So if you had a time machine and Miles Davis approached you today and was like, go back in time to any period of my career and let's jam together what period would you jam-, jam with miles davis on
1: the corner for sure oh
0: gosh that's a great one too <laughs> that's a great one man
1: these all somehow i've thought about all these things <laughs> not about them but like right on the corner i i just finished alan leed's book uh i forget i'm totally yeah on the i know
0: which one you're talking about I'm, I'm blanking on it too and
1: so you know whatever i'm just talking about on the corner, like the, he saw james brown and the, the next record was on the corner like yeah fucking on the corner man i'm oh, sorry
0: yeah just, no I swear it's we, okay you're good uh, no yeah. that's a great one i could see you fitting in well on that one too like your style and well, everything
1: I, I also say it because there's there's no real you know i don't want to get in with the quintet and try yeah. to fucking do that you know, so on the, corner, the chord changes are gonna be easy I can yeah. just funk around
0: yeah that'd be fun alright so here's the last one what's one guitar lick that you wish you could have written
1: uh well that's a difficult cause licks the term lick is a kind of
0: yeah, it's used a little frivolously.
1: Oh, I'm like, oh, no, it's not licks. I mean, I try to yes. not do, but I guess.
0: What's, I guess, a riff? Is that a yeah, more ri- yeah, terminology? Riff. Totally. Let's say it's no, riff. I mean
1: not to be a total.
0: No, 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 no. no. You're yeah. good. This is what you do, man. This is what you do.
1: Just if we're talking about it, then I'm saying like, Ooh. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, say, yeah, okay, let's rephrase. What's one guitar riff that you wish you could have written?
1: uh I mean, Little Miss Lover. I'm um, kind of giving myself away because there's a song that I'm working on kind of close to that also, but, but, you know, I put that on like, yeah, oh, it just it's another th- that makes me think of Albert King. I think my real answer is Albert King. Uh, I love Lucy. Okay. The beginning of that when they hit that i mean yeah that's a riff the yeah that that thing makes me explode when i hear it every time like just blows your mind (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah that one i love lucy that's perfect, man. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for accommodating me on those. Uh, Certainly, that's just fun. like to run it. yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about a freak grows in Brooklyn. Like I said, okay. this is a top five favorite album of mine. Had it on repeat. Uh, I've been listening to it for a couple of years now. I want to know about you've been a pro musician for twenty years, according to your website. Right. Do you have more albums just hidden away? Because this is your debut, according to all the streaming platforms uh, and everything. Uh, so, do you have more albums out there? What are you hiding from us? Where's no, this extra Ryan no, Scott goodness? There's,
1: there's, no, there's no more albums out there, definitely. uh yeah there's there's some other ones. There's some other ones. They're kind of embarrassing. I mean, what's wrong with them? I just like not music that I would make or the way things went after they're just kind of jazzy and the, the songs don't make sense. I mean, you know, what no they're for so I made one when i was 21 it's called 5 o'clock news i think every, the, the a couple one of them just came down i saw you know and i don't really own the masters to any of these mm-hmm. which is part of the why it hasn't been connected if i'm totally honest yeah. uh then i signed to this label velour records that was like soul live and it was a new york thing at the time and kind of remade that record again Kind of a lot of the same songs. It was a weird thing when I think mm-hmm. about it. So that's called Smoke and Licorice, which was up on Spotify, but just came down. I haven't been able to reach those guys in like thirteen years. So, uh, but I have a couple CDs. And
0: are all these are these all Ryan Scott solo projects, or are these part of groups? Well, the
1: first they it was me with bands with my okay. friends playing drums. They, I mean, you know, it's like I yeah I play guitars and say, my, yeah, I mean, they're Ryan Scott. They say Ryan mm-hmm. Scott on them. But it wasn't me playing all the instruments exactly. I got uh, you. And then, you know, I put out like a self-made little EP called Demonstration Record, which is on Bandcamp still. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably 10 years ago, 8 years ago. Okay. So there's some other things, but th- this one's like I figured it out that says it that says who I, that's who i am the other ones is like yeah you know a jazzy kid trying to figure out something.
0: so this is the one you feel best represents you as an artist and a musician yeah this is like the debut of what i really am i guess i would say if i could be well there. that was one of my questions when i listened to this album versus when i researched you is you you should have a very strong jazz background Based on everything I've read and listened and heard about you. Right, right. And this is a rock album. I mean funk and soul, it incorporates a lot. So why why did you choose to go with a rock album for your debut, quote unquote album?
1: Well, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, I was a blues kid. I was a Stevie Ravon obsessed learning every solo note for note, 13 year old, 12, 13, 14. And we had a band and we were playing bars, like the kid band, the, the, you know, uh, novelty kid band in Monterey, California. So that was the guitar, you know, and then I met my jazz mentor that kept pushing, like, you gotta learn bebop. His name's Bruce Foreman. He's one of the best jazz guitar players. And, you know, I owe him everything. Uh. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want you to play one note with like super sweet (laughs) controlled vibrato or whatever, you know, the trip I was on. So it's really, you know, it's kind of like I was already becoming who I am in a way. Uh, And then by the end of high school, you know, in our blues band, we were playing around Monterey and like doing the Monterey Blues Festival, like whatever little things came around, New Year's gigs and. But there was a, yeah, there was a jazz education program in Monterey that was heavy because of the Monterey Jazz Festival, which was one of the best ones. Uh, so I was getting that at the same time after being blues obsessed and guitar obsessed. You know, kind of was like Steve Vai, Metallica, Joseph, that. And then I got rid of that, went blues, and then it was just Albert King, Freddie King, BB all day, forever. And then, yeah, like, end of high school, decided, yeah, I wanted to be a jazz guy, kind of, but, like, not in mm-hmm. an in an archtoppy way. Like, Bill Frizzell was my hero when I was 16. And, you know, Schofield, I had periods of oh, when I sounded like, Schofield in high school, and then I went Bill Frizzell. Uh, so then I moved to New York, and I knew, you know, I knew all the kids. There's a big, the high school jazz scene. So, yeah, and then I was in New York, like, trying to be jazz, and I wasn't using any, had gotten rid of all my pedals. I mean, I, I didn't get rid of them. I use them now, but, uh, you know, just, dr- like, trying to be a real player. Re- you know, I guess, in a way, uh, it was, like, the jam band thing was coming in,
0: and... So, is this, like, early 2000s, kind of?
1: I graduated high school in 2001. So yeah, late '90s or like that's coming. Like I don't think that's like j- wanting to really like to really improvise and be free. You have to. It's like you have to have your jazz the uh, purest period, at least at least five years, maybe. I don't, <laughs> and then you come out of it.
0: So you talking about you know just the varying degrees of you know being a jazz player you know being free and all that stuff and then you kind of talk about your history of being a steve i kind of in that wankery kind of thing yeah,
1: i never really just when i was a kid like starting guitar it was like whoa but i didn't i never was a shredder ever i mean i guess by that yeah by that time i had it was uh just like modern blues, you know, like okay, modern blues. This is what this is, or so you know, just wanting to expand. By that, yeah, I mean, maybe I should. This and all respect, Steve I does some crazy cool shit. Yes, uh, but no, that that was just a tiny moment, like that. It it was really like
0: it was a launching pad to further exploration of different stuff
1: yeah just like that was my moment when i just started playing guitar it would just like oh guitar guitar yeah. stuff you know and then as soon as i heard stevie ray vaughn you're done all bets were off and that was like when i was 11 maybe so i'm mean, I, you know it's like and i had the eric johnson instructional videos and but i had the robin ford instructional video, you know the ones that really got me were the warren haynes and the and the Robin Ford videos, like on vHS when I was a small child, uh yeah, I don't you know, it's just like I got tired of one four five and and I well, and I had the the Monterey thing, and the jazz I was going to jazz camp as part of just living there in that, you know, being lucky enough to like, oh, there's a jazz camp during the summer, and these cats come to the high schools and middle schools five months a year. So I was learning that at the same time as I was as we had our blues band that was kind of morphing into you know James Brown tunes and Maceo and and kind of more funkier territory towards the end of that band and then I was starting to do jazz gigs at hotels and stuff with the jazz kids at the same time. So it was kind of this melding and then I finally so like okay jazz is
0: the thing so were you were, were you reluctant going into it because i mean it sounds at first you didn't want to do it and then you kind of progressed over time were you reluctant or did you just by that point you had actually fallen in love with it
1: yeah totally i mean i was reluctant when i first met my jazz mentor that was like the middle of seventh grade so that was when i was reluctant not
0: many seventh graders love jazz
1: <laughs> I, that was when i was reluctant you know by you know by the sophomore year in high school then i was for some reason, well, I had been turned on to a couple, you know, kid. I was going to guitar camp in Connecticut meeting kids from various places, some of which I still know that are players. Uh and, you know, like a friend said, check out Giant Steps. Like, okay, well, it's crazy. Like, wow. Like, that's really some shit. Like, that's some fast shit that he means to play. Uh, and then, but then I had this period as I started exploring where it was like i just wanted to hear eric dolphy and woody shaw and out jazz and then by senior year of high school i was hank mobley in it up you know and then like okay well i'm going when i was a kid and i heard about berkeley college of music i was like oh well that's definitely where i'm going like are you kidding a college for guitar You're... And then, you know, and I had friends that went there. They were a little older and visited it. And by the time I was a senior, I, you know, it was like, okay, New York, I could just got to go to New York and I ended up not going to college. I mean, we checked out the colleges, but they're like glorified jazz camps in a way. And they're, they're great, you know, to meet people, but uh, yeah, whatever for for whatever reason, my parents let me not go to college, and I was a good student. Uh, but, you know, I would hang out at the dorms with all my friends that were going to the New School and Manhattan School and NYU and just going out and playing and starting to go to jam sessions. And, and I, I was lucky to have this education all through high school, the end of middle school, all through high school, in all of that. That didn't really click till about, I don't know, six months after I moved to New York City and then... It started at like, oh, okay. I mean, with everything, I'm just trying to understand it in my own way. I mean, I guess everyone that's understanding, but it's, especially with music, it's shit, and like theory and how you relate to core, you know, it just takes a long time for certain things to click, and you, you get a, a light goes off, and like, oh, I finally understand that, you know. And still now, it's like. Finally, I know the frequencies now. I think, you know, whatever, whatever it is.
0: So it's a lot more, You it was a lot more hands-on learning than you would have gotten in school. I mean, it sounds like you, you really wouldn't have got the same education had you actually gone to a formal education.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like I saw what was happening. I mean, it was just access. Like, you know, you go to jazz school because you can, they'll pay for you to take private lessons with Kurt Rosenwinkel or wh- whoever you want. Uh and you're playing with all the kids, but like the kids that are good start touring and miss their classes and what you know, end up doing the
0: same thing while paying the school. $50. But you saved a lot of money in the process, essentially.
1: That was the idea, right? Uh so yeah, well, and and what I say about it is it took a few months. Like my dad and I drove across the country, we found a place. 2001 internet, you know, we were amazed, easy roommate.com or whatever, (laughs) found a place. He left. I'm there with two 25-year-old dudes that were going to Manhattan school, and it was just a cut, like Peter Bernstein was playing at Smoke every Monday, two blocks down the street, and there was a jam at Cleopatra's Needle on 82nd, and I lived there for three months and then met some other dudes and ended up moving to Queens into a place where we could play and that was huge and we had a you know radical one of the dudes worked at the fancy drum shop in midtown so we had a, the nicest kit and so anyone that we met you could invite him over for a session the jet ja- the, the jazz session style free for fun jamming a jam uh and it's like, oh, well, it actually is better to just invite these guys over, and we're here, you know, maybe drinking some beers, maybe smoking some herbs. But like, you know, as equals, not exactly. I mean, all respect due to the the real guys or whatever. But like, as like, you know, that was cool, and really, yeah, a lot of time doing that and and people that I, you know, yeah, you're just meeting people and. At that time, I mean, I can't imagine now doing the same thing just because it's so much more expensive and hard to. It's not a but music. Music business is not a good business if you want to make money.
0: You know, it's got to be for the love. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was? I, I kind of asked this question earlier, but what was that transition from that jazz phase you were going through into what you became a freak grows in Brooklyn? I mean. Was that an album you'd been working on for years? Kind of, how did that start? How did you get there from jazz to that album?
1: You know, it's like the jazz thing. I was doing that and it's like playing with dudes that I loved and heroes. And, you know, we're playing at some bar for 50 bucks and which is great. Uh, but like, oh, this is it. Okay. And then, you know, started to do more sidemans st- to, you know, just like, Bluesier, whatever, just guitar man, sideman gigs, you know, bringing out the distortion pedal again, bringing out some effects again. So, you know, and then, and then it was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to be a guitar man, sideman guy, you know, so I did that for you, you know, and I mean, I'll still do a pseudo jazz gig from time to time, but, you know, it's like, there was, it, there was a long period of time where it was like, yeah, I just said yes to everything jazz gigs, Sideman Gate, like whatever. You're doing club dates and weddings and little tours with whoever, you know, singer songwriters, whatever it is, all the things you do. Uh,
0: was that creatively fulfilling for you? Was that, I mean, did that, did that make at you the feel time, like? Yeah.
1: At the time, for sure. Uh, I mean, that was what, yeah, I rode the wave. You know, it's like if you, you go to New York, where, you know, I mean, that's the, if you want to be a player, it's where I'd say you should go because I mean, that's where they, uh, the most concentration of them, every style, highest level are, I mean, you know, LA's got a bunch and Nashville's got a bunch and, but I guess for the jazz thing to, you know, it's like, yeah, so there's these, you know, just want to be that thing or right. What is it Like studio man, but it's also the breakdown of the business. So studio changes and it ends up being at home more and then I'm writing jingles and I mean I guess a few years in I started to I had a, you know my first recording computer Mm -hmm. so then I was kind of just somehow in the back of my mind I thought like I remember as a younger kid like if there was a way like write actual songs that Combine all the things, but like aren't too jazzy. I guess that's the old records are like too jazzy for me now. Uh, but like figuring out this. So I was writing songs, you know, make demos and like, and then, and playing with tons of songwriters and kind of like that was the scene post Nora Jones downtown New York, lots of singer songwriters. So I'm playing guitar with a lot of those people. And, you know, kind of working on my own thing. And then, yeah, made one of those records like, OK, I'm going to do some songs with my with my bros and, you know, try to combine the thing. But then a couple years of that, which was education and business stuff, you know, just go. And as all friends are going through business stuff, too, and seeing how it all works. And then I kind of dropped off, you know, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, it, be, it wasn't my priority to be a solo artist in 2009. And, you know, I went back to Sideman, Studio, jazz man, run around all night
0: guy. Uh, so when did work actually begin on the album? When did you start dedicating time to making it happen?
1: I mean, probably those recordings started 2017. Probably there was a whole thing before that. I had a business, you know. I'd recorded some of the songs. There's actually another podcast with that whole story, but yeah, uh, you know, when I decided to like do this on the cassette eight track. I was starting to get to know that machine. Yeah, 2016, 2017, and probably two years, but but also making money with other
0: stuff, you know. So I can't use all the time for that. But let's, I heard you talking about the cassette recording. Can you talk? Can you tell me a little bit about that again? Can you just kind of tell me how that happened and why you chose to do it that way?
1: Yeah. You know, I had gotten, I, so in my jazz times, you'd play at people's apartments and so you know you get together and I could kind of play in the apartment I was living in for a long time or we could play in the first you know I never had a space and then at some point there I got a space with a bunch of friends and i had there were a couple four track recorders lying around the house and i started to take those down to the space and since there were drums and stuff i was just fucking around making track, you know, just for, tra- like, put drums on bass guitar, like, wow, oh, I fuck with the speed. And, and, and the guitar sounds so much more like the thing, you know? And it, it, that's, the th- it's like, I got the, com- when I really started trying to write songs was the beginning of computer recording. And then obviously years of that and playing on a bazillion computer recorded records, only a couple tape recorded records but for what i am it's like i don't even i'm not even sure there's any record that i like that was that was at least not recorded to tape first didn't hit hit tape from the microphone so yeah it's that it's like struggling for years to try and get the computer to sound like something and and also you know the non limitations of it for a guitar player is a terrible recipe uh so it was like, okay, I was having fun with the four tracks and then I had bought the eight track Tascam's like biggest cassette offering, which gives you eight tracks on a cassette. And it sat around. I sent it back to Tascam, paid him a bunch of money to fix it. That has all those parts have been thrown away and that that place is closed and they fired everyone threw it all away since then. uh. And then eventually I got to know that 8 track thing. It's like, okay, I can do the 8 tracks is enough. Like or just do it in 8 track. Make the goddamn fucking thing in 8 on the and the analog, you know, it's like the only way I can say I'm done with this and put it out by myself is like it's got to be tape. It's like I could feel real about it because
0: I know that it was real. And do you think it would have lacked soul if you had done it all through a computer?
1: It can't be done. It can't be done. It... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, I make a lot of computer music for money. Uh, and like some, you know, it sounds better and better and the technology's come a long way. And I mix this in the, you know, I'm not trying to, but for funky music or like blues, jazz, like, you know, subtle touch music or i mean i don't know i get the the record's pretty compressed and blasting so but just like for old style music these the the lineage of this music that we love and it's like that's the thing that's and even the uh, you know the new records of that idiom i don't know i mean it's a conversation that i have constantly with my friend you know just Talking and talking and talking about it, but it's also just the work. It's like, okay, I said I don't want to look at a computer. It's, like I could take that eight track and I could go. I had a walk-in closet that was like my studio apartment room, and then I this warehouse space, so I could take it back and forth. And it was analog, and I didn't have to look at a computer till the th- you know till it sounded kind of like a record. Uh, so that's you know that and you know, guitar, rock guitar. I can spend four hours tweaking on a multi-mic computer recorder guitar, and I can get it to sound like Hendrix, kind of, but I could also just slam it into a cassette, or slam it into some tape, and it's already that, you know? or and there's more to it, but it's that. It's like, there it is! Bam! That's it! So... Long, long answer.
0: No, it's beautiful. That was It was a love story. I loved every second of it. That was great.
1: <laughs> I'm very passionate about it. I'm very <laughs> no,
0: no, it's fantastic. I loved it, man. That was great. I loved it. Well, so, I mean, talking about love letters, man, when I listen to the album, and I, I'm not a lyrics guy, I'm really not a lyrics guy, but I, I was reading the lyrics as I was listening to the album the other day. There's a lot of happy lyrics on this album, man. Were you going through a really great period when you were writing these, or is that just your personality? Like, what was like, there's a lot of happy stuff there.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I had met my life partner. So that was definitely happy. But I think, you know, it's the the music is everything it's kind of like my own meditation in a way i guess or even now when i'm working on stuff it's like yeah i've got it this is (laughs) if there's no other positivity this is where it needs to be needs to be in here yeah yeah i mean i don't know if there's certain friends that would definitely say i'm not a happy guy but
0: I mean, you seem pretty happy to me. Maybe I just bring out the best in you. Maybe that's what I'm hearing well, right talking
1: now. Talking about this stuff, like this is the <laughs> happy stuff. There's a lot of unhappy stuff. I mean, yeah, when I wake up and I'm still caught in my news addiction, uh, you know, there's plenty of unhappy stuff. But, but no, trying to make a recording that's fucking happy, you know, yeah. like or that or yeah, I'm having a great time. making I mean,
0: that's the it's. It brings the out the best I, they, in you
1: well it's supposed to be fun it's like my whole i mean if we talk about live music like the point of music it, for me is fun you know and that's kind of guided my life for better or worse like yeah i don't you know like why am cuz it can be like truck driving depending on what you're doing i mean not as bad of course but sure like the fun like what is the point like honestly, i don't want to not have fun because i mean you got to make money too it's it's a complicated thing but but yeah no i'm trying you know trying to catch some fun on some tape
0: well so how do you how do you balance that fun and trying to make money off of it then like i mean how do you how do you find that and still have the inspiration to make happy lyrics in the middle of that i mean is that where those jingles and the the gigs and everything come in
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't make money off of Ryan Scott. I mean, now now I'm making a little bit of money, which is really great. I mean, it's beautiful off of this stuff, but, you know, it's never been my bread and butter. I mean, yeah, I've never, not until this thing have I ever made any money off of my own music, you know. I mean, music that I write, but someone else owns the publishing or what, you know, it's not for public consumption. (laughs) <laughs> i mean it is it's on the tv but it, but uh, it's cheesy crap that i make yeah so money comes, that's the thing it's like all of these things okay jazz. i want to be a jazz guy like oh 50 bucks a night like i know soldiers that i commend and love that do it uh but that's a tough life i mean it's just like yeah just like trying to have some kind of happiness
0: uh well i mean and talking about happiness and lyrics i mean you're a guitar guy i mean that's i mean even your the url for your website is ryan scott guitar i mean and everything i see about you is guitar so where is where's the balance of being a guitar man and having to write lyrics is writing lyrics just part of the craft that you have to do or is that just something that you enjoy where what's where do lyrics fit into being a guitar guy i mean guitar is my third arm let's say
1: or like but you know i guess i'm just getting further and further away from the guitar man thing you know like wanting it because now you know i've played, i mean i've played some guitar i've made another record that i'm will hopefully be done in two months exactly or maximum three uh so there's guitar solos and stuff but but i probably only play guitar for like 50 hours in the last two years wow. you know like it's not I also don't have a great guitar right now or these need repair. It's just not high on the list. Like yeah, I get I'm just the the dream is to just I guess make some compelling records or, or that would have to be a song, I guess or Songs, yeah, song like real, just trying to write real songs. I, you know, I mean, which is a lifelong quest that you never answer. But
0: so, do you just see yourself maturing as an artist? Then, essentially,
1: I mean, yeah. As of late, I'm just trying to do this. I mean, I'll branch off and make some cash for a minute, but and then come back to it. But the idea, I mean, I yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure going forward the thing that feels right is just like kind of being down here working on my own things or just trying to get some stuff that I get excited about on the tape Uh, or like that quest. That's the quest. So guitar is like, yeah, you know, it's definitely a part of it ideally or I'll do, you know, I'll put all the solos on guitar, <laughs> but trying to figure out everything else. So it's like, yeah, the, the singing and the, yeah, the lyrics, it's like, well, that's the most important thing when I'm trying to do that. And like, because the, the guitar is easy, like that, that's the easiest part for me. I just pick it up and go and ideally, yeah, just pick it up and like, this sounds totally cheesy, but like, and just emote with it, you know, in a, in a fast one, two take reaction. And then go back to a bazillion drum takes or whatever, you know, or singing the song 70 times and tweaking the words.
0: I mean, I hear the guitar solo in Stomp Your Feet and like that thing just, I mean, that thing rips like that's a great solo. I love that solo. I love that solo. So I mean, like how many takes did that take? And I mean, do you just find yourself just pulling that out of your body and then moving on to the next thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably a couple, it's like two, probably two or three takes and then some touch-ups yeah, so for a record, you want to make a record that sounds like something. so you you do everything you can to make it sound like a record. But yeah, no, I mean, it's the idea of the, you know, I mean, is improvisation. I guess that that's the jazz element is like trying to be a true improviser and play changes coherently and melodically and be singing with the guitar. So, you know, that's the thing. So like the and it's finding. This kind of raw Wu-Tang soup of like, yeah, it's me playing all the instruments, but like somehow keeping some wild inspiration in the moment in there, you know, which is, yeah, like first takes usually the best for, for that kind of thing, you know, so that's, what's nice about the tape. It's like, okay, do the first take, leave it, come back to it later. Like, with the guitar, that's what I always do. It's like, okay, just leave it because right now you're definitely not gonna like it, and I'm my absolute worst critic in the world. you know, just hard for me to think anything that I did is okay. you know it's like that record's just like, okay, it's just good enough, you know, just like, yeah, okay, I gotta stop. that's it okay, that's good enough, like oh, there's things that I'm like, oh God can't hear it but i'm but i'm proud of that one that one you know i think it says what i want to say so
0: what's i mean even following that up with like just talking about the the jazz improv and stuff there are no extensively long solos on this album i mean they're all pretty compact was that a was that a a choice you made or was it just kind of how it turned out would you consider doing longer solos (laughs) Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I should also say I have Thanks a lot of. To, well, no, I mean, like uh, I, I should say I have a lot of bias. I'm a deadhead. I'm a fish fan. Right? I love jam yeah. bands. I love yeah, yeah. improv and jazz. Like, so I mean, like personally, like the freaking me is like play longer, man. Go longer. Go 15 right. minutes. No, totally. Well, live, it's always much. Yes. Longer. Okay. Good. Uh, that makes me happy.
1: But yeah, you know, I mean, just trying to make a rap. The the dream of that, like, I remember sitting in the closet. And I was in the closet a lot with the door shut, you know, in the middle of the night, Jen's sleeping. I'm in the closet fucking singing over and over (laughs) with the cassette machine. Like, yeah, if I could, like, is there just dreaming about like, could I make something on this cassette machine in this closet that will get played on the radio perhaps, you know, like, so it's got to be short solos.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: There's kind of long solo on one of them, right? That's kind of, yeah, you're
0: right. There is the one you're what it's one of the last two songs, right? Which one it's the new uh, tunes
1: are longer. The new tunes have longer
0: stuff. So, I mean, this is like a really cliche question, but I have another question that I want to ask and I'm afraid I might offend you in some of that answer. So I want to hear your answer first. No worries, dude. And I I don't mean actually offend. It's more of a joke. Uh, so who were some <laughs> of the influences on when you were making this album? Like who were who were you listening to? Who really impacted your decision making and your style and everything like that when you were making a freak gross in Brooklyn?
1: I mean, I think honestly, it's like that was when I stopped listening. If,
0: do you if absorb you too much when you do that? If well, if you, you
1: know, I'm a student. I'm I'm a fucking studier guy. So it's like that, I guess that it took that long to study all of the shit. You know, collect all these records and know all these records and know every note of certain ones. You know, and then, okay, put it away. Now, what's the, you know, just kind of hammering away at my own thing, trying to figure out. I mean, I'm still doing it. Outside, you probably watched the Beatles thing, I hope. Oh, yeah, it was
0: fantastic. Yeah, man, was... so
1: you know, it's like you're just watch it's like, yeah, you just keep working on it and editing it and throwing it away and starting a new one and keep working on it and editing it. You know, it took me whatever 35, 36 years to finally go the full duration to the point, you know, where I thought, okay, I think I've figured something out. So. You know, I mean, when I think about one-man band records, definitely, yeah, I'm thinking about McCartney, I'm thinking about Sly Stone, I'm thinking about Prince, and uh, Jeff Lynn, Todd Rundgren, I mean, those are the, yeah, those are the inspiration, Sly, Todd Rundgren, Prince, Paul's first. Stevie. What am I talking about? Oh, Stevie yeah, number one.
0: Yeah, I definitely hear that one. Because yeah, though, sure. when
1: I was in high, you know, it's like ta- those records, I know every single note. And that was, you know, what that's kind of always been the music that most spoke to me. So it's like, yeah, my childhood dream of coming full circle and trying to make a one-man band record like Stevie, but, but with a guitar player instead, with a bad keyboard player. Um, Well,
0: so, I mean, the reason, the reason I framed it like that is because I was having a conversation with a guy one time uh, and I told him I was a big classic rock fan. And he uh, said, do you like Steve Miller band? And I was just like, I've never put a lot of thought into it. And he said, that's the clearest way I know if somebody's actually a classic rock fan or not is if they say yes or no, because according to this guy, Steve Miller band was uncool and that nobody likes Steve Miller band. And I was like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but it's for some reason it stuck with me. And for every time I, I hear Steve Miller Band, I'm like, somebody out there thinks this guy's uncool, and so it kind of determines. He's when
1: fucking it, cool as shit. Okay, He's then cool you're
0: gonna shit. then you're gonna love this. When I I was listening to your album, and I kept thinking, I was like, there's somebody that it sounds like, and somebody I'm connected, and it was Steve Miller Band. For some reason, I hear Steve Miller Band when I listen to your album.
1: It, I've gotten a couple people saying that. Definitely. Okay, that
0: makes me feel a lot better. And it makes me feel a lot better that you're cool with Steve Miller because
1: Well, th- you know, sorry, I'm cutting you off here. No, 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 keep Steve going. Miller, I didn't know this till the, I don't know, uh, the last five or six years, but Steve Miller's got full cred. T Bone Walker taught him to play guitar when he was uh, a kid. He I was in Chicago during the heyday playing around, and then, you know, write these amazing songs, wrote these amazing songs. Uh
0: well, and those what first four five albums are not what you hear on the radio. I mean, that's a completely different Steve Miller band, too.
1: Right. Well, and you know, one of the one with the seven hits was him by himself on an eight track machine. I found that story. Out. I mean, some some people played on it too, but I guess he's about to, like took the machine for eighteen months and just sat there and
0: went into his closet while his wife out. was sleeping yeah, and exactly. did it did the thing exactly. well that makes me feel better that i'm not the only person that heard steve miller band and it makes me feel even better that you like steve miller and you're you're well, on the and same
1: they're pay. just mad because he's so rich from those songs you know, <laughs> mad because he got so many goddamn hits
0: there we go see i mean i, th- I personally i think like A band like the Eagles, like that's a band that you can kind of determine somebody's classic rock cred a little better with. They're a little more 70s rock than they are classic rock. I mean, I I am an Eagles supporter. I'm not against them. Me and my dad totally
1: watching that movie, Henley's killer. He's fucking
0: killer. It's a great, they're a great band. Like yeah, you know, they get I think they just get a lot of crap because of that one line in the big Lebowski, you know, where he's talking about how much he hates the Eagles. And you know, it's like they're not that bad. Come on, people, there's worse bands out there. Like, give me a break. Well,
1: it's overplayed. Hotel California, I don't need to hear ever again. Oh, no,
0: never. You know,
1: that's the... I think that's really what... I heard it the other day. I'm
0: like, oh. Yeah. It's just that kind of shit. I started reading Don Felder's autobiography a couple nights ago, and I'm really excited about getting into this thing, man. He's such a good underrated guitar player. Like, just super classic. So anyway, we've gone off track. I'm sorry, man. Uh, So last question about the album. Uh, and then we'll start talking some live stuff. So you're not really a big internet guy, social media. I mean, you know, it's
1: managed in house here. Yeah, it's you know, I'm just old enough. Yeah, sorry. Go no,
0: ahead. no. So I mean, the question is, I mean, I was getting to the point of like, you don't really, you're not a social media guy. Your wife manages a decent part of it, from my understanding. Uh, you have two songs that have more than a million streams on Spotify. Like, how does how does that make you feel? Like, how do you do you feel? like the album's performing pretty well, especially considering you don't have much of a social media presence.
1: Fuck yeah. Totally, it's (laughs) amazing. It's great. Plus I own it a hundred percent. It just goes right into my bank account uh, without any delay from anyone else, you know?
0: So overall you're pleased with how the album is performing and how you've seen it grow and everything like that.
1: Absolutely. No, I mean, it's uh, the robots being pretty nice to me.
0: Oh, i mean that's how i got that's how i found it was spotify recommended it to me uh right. based on my taste uh and that's i was like it's a great album cover really cool album cover man whoever did that, that did a great jen job did that oh well did fantastic that's man. as well <laughs> man she did a great job that's such a cool cover man
1: well and that's a big part of it you know it's just kind of like a perfect storm of i mean jen was the you know kind of like forcing me to get it done like, you need to do this and fucking finish it. And then she made the most kick-ass visual for it. So, you know, I it got a little bit of Sirius XM play, which helped those two songs, I think, kind of like jump up. But the thing, you know, I, I didn't play the Spotify game with the singles and all that because I finished it and I was like, I put it up the next day. So it's all just the robot. But yeah, the robot works pretty well. I I must say, it's pretty cool.
0: So Um, is is Wheels one of the songs that got some X in play? Is that one of the? Man, I love that song. How how do you feel about that song? I love that song.
1: Yeah, I like that song. You know, it's hard for me to you like you
0: don't love. That's it. That's it. That's a choice of words right there. You like, not love.
1: No, I. No, I. Well, I I don't love any. You know, it's hard for me to (laughs) say that to myself. You know, I gotta. Keep hard-assed about my own self. I, it, I'm I'm motivated to keep going by not being satisfied. You know,
0: but that, is it, Do you not view it like some musicians, like that's your baby, that's your child that you produced and you birthed, and all this? Is that is that too cliche or like how do you feel in relation to that? I mean, it's and-
1: a yeah, <sighs> it's like doing this so long and playing on so many people's babies and watching dollars go down the toilet and, you know, all these. It's like, yeah, it's hard for me to, over the years, like, what is a record? Like, is this a record? Like, as far as I'm concerned, a record is like the things that I love that are, it's hard for me to even like, yes, now I will say my baby that, but that's a record. Now I'll say that. But like the old ones, I don't know. Like, is, are they record? Did I, if anyone ever hears it, is it a record or the I mean, and that's what keeps, I just, I mean, it's just my fun life quest to try and make something that's like a real record that is competitive or so, but you know, I, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, that's, I, I love it. That's it. Like, no, I don't, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. I think it's pretty cool to do it on, you know, like whatever. I know it went into it. It was. Hard work and, and like it's there, you know, it's yeah, that it, it says the thing I wanted to say. Like, yeah, I, I can't. I've listened to the vinyl a couple times since I got the vinyl, but like I haven't, you know, I put it out and that was enough and I haven't really listened to it. So it's just kind of onward. Like it's hard for me to, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's cool. I listened to a bit of it the other day and. And it's like, yeah, it's, I, I dig it. Like, but I, it's just, I was there. I was there for every second of it by myself. So there, and then mixing it myself and like trying to fix the problems or what, you know, so I, it's just a fucking head trip.
0: It's just a different experience for you, though. It's yeah. a different,
1: exp- you know, I know every second of it. So I'm like, oh, oh, that thing. Oh, hope no one noticed that. Ooh, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, but actually, so, you know, I put the vinyl I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a record. I'm like, cool, cool.
0: Well, so did the did the title come from is it a play on the book uh what's it the betty smith book a tree grows in brooklyn sure. is
1: it? yeah totally
0: where did the title come from then well
1: classic book i was in brooklyn i was growing i grew a lot <laughs> and, i mean i guess i was in brooklyn for the what 15 years out of the no more than that 17 years all in all so far till, till if i go back uh so yeah i grew a lot
0: so it was really just more a summary of your time like of you and your place with that album
1: yeah and just you know kind of thought of it and yeah that's that's cool all right yeah like i like lo- something yeah i don't know it's it's hard with titles of of shit titles of record i mean now we're struggling
0: <laughs> you're in that crunch because
1: <laughs> i think that one ended up pretty good uh,
0: no that's a great title man when i saw that title i was like i definitely i saw the artwork and then i saw the title and i said i gotta listen to this i gotta hear what this guy has to say so I, mean, no, it's pro- it's-
1: I should need i need to reread the book it's it's been since high school probably since i read the book but i'm a freak and i definitely spent i i hope for the brooklyn lokes that i spent enough time i don't you know i feel a little bit bad like oh well, i didn't grow up in brooklyn totally but i live there from 21 to 37 38 so
0: i'd say that's substantial enough to earn uh, the title i think you earned it
1: yeah so i was there that was the main
0: thing okay that makes sense i like it well so i mean talking about new york and playing in brooklyn and everything so i wanted to talk about just kind of like you know something i was reading the other day talking about there's no more scenes anymore as far as live music goes. You know, I think even like I live in Memphis, a historically known music city. However, most of our music cityness is known for our heritage rather than our current place. There's not really a big scene here in Memphis anymore. If you hear blues, it's because you've gone to a Pandering Blues bar. You know, if you hear Soul or something like that, it's probably like the four seasons or somebody playing in town, you know? So, and I think about that. So, I mean, even with your time in New York and your time now in Nashville, do you think that live music scenes are dying and a think of the past, especially considering you can make an album in your basement in Iowa now? I mean, what do you think about that?
1: Right. Why am I living in Nashville? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the pandemic fucking decimated everything.
0: Well, I mean, going back to what you said earlier about there was a jazz scene in New York. I mean, you said there was one and you played in that. I mean, was that something? Well,
1: that- and there is, there is, and will continue to be, but it is very, uh, under, I mean, it's not underground. Like actually the, the clubs downtown are kicking harder. Smalls and, and Mesro and some of these places I feel like are stronger than ever. So like, yeah, that there's, that's the thing. New York has the jazz scene. The jazz scene will never die, but you know, kids going there, I'm not sure you can afford to live in New York and like educate yourself in the scene or, you know, and, and people. I mean, even the course of the pandemic, some of the best cats of all cats went somewhere else, you know, or this is, it's a great migration. Uh, so it's all kind of up in the air. But as I was here talking to my friends in New York, whenever it started to open up, like it was opening up much more than I even felt Nashville. I mean, Nashville never closed in a way, yeah. But for the hipster scene, I think it kind of closed, and then you know New York was kicking pretty hard. Everyone is back, you know, and clubs have closed and that thing. I mean, it, uh, but yeah, certain friends I talked to is like, well, the scene's dead now. Or the everyone that was in doubt really got a wake up call or was like, of how to survive, you know? Yeah. Can you record in your basement? Like, do you, how do you make money?
0: Well, since, I mean, yeah, I mean since, <sighs> since recording can be, it's so decentralized now because, like, you, I mean, anybody can do it anywhere now. I mean, right. does it mat? Does location matter? Cause I mean, in, you know, the 60s, 70s and stuff, you had to be in a New York or in Asheville or a Los Angeles to get to meet other musicians, to meet, to make contacts and things like that. Do you think it's still an important part? Do you think location still plays an important part of making music?
1: I mean, I think it definitely plays a part in learning to play well with that. But, but no, I mean, it's all changed since I was in high school. That's the thing. It's like this, ability did not exist in 2001 to make something and throw it up on the internet and like anyone can get it anywhere in the world right on their phone and that's how everyone gets it you know so yeah it's chan. i mean for live music you gotta be where there's good players i mean if you want to make a record you gotta be in a city where you can put together a band of killers and do, you know, if, if you're trying to do something like that, then you, yeah, you got to go to one of these cities, but it's so much easier to connect with anyone now, which is kind of my, you know, it's like, I, uh, I spe- I've been playing in bars since I was 12 years old and the pandemic was actually, I mean, as terrible as it was for so many, you know, I mean, it's like for some of us, it was like a good break. Mm -hmm. Or I was already thinking like, man, I love seeing my friends and like, these are nice, fun bar gigs or whatever, but kind of need a break or how long am I going to keep doing this in this capacity or whatever? And and this record was made and, you know, yeah, now, honestly, I feel still kind of feel like I can do more damage out of the basement than running around town. I mean
0: so did which is play, not totally true but. well I mean did did playing live lose some of its like luster for you or is, is it just burnout from doing all those different gigs and being the side man type
1: well and by the end I was doing my own you know it's like I was playing solo every Monday for the past 3 years before that I mean I guess I stopped September 2019 at the place where I'd played 200 of my own gigs and 300 of other people's gigs, uh, you know, it's a combination, combination of burnout, but like, and just thinking, (sighs) what is my ideal? Like, what's the the playing live playing situation that I I have a fun time, you know, just like I, I've booked some gigs that have, you know, fallen through or I canceled. It's like, yeah, I was essentially paying to play still or I would play solo every Monday and, you know, friends would come and they would be cats and, like, it was super fun and cool, but sometimes there aren't people there. And regardless of that, I'm walking with 40 bucks minus 15 for my second tequila because I only get one drink minus the tip for the bartender, you know, 15 bucks. Like, and I'm an adult professional dude. And it's not, it's, but it's not about the, the re- I wasn't doing it for the money. Sure, it's, yeah. yeah. It's just hard. People are asking, like, what are you coming to the, it's like, yeah, I want to come. But it's like, at this point, I have to save up my own money and blow it to come and play. To, p- to pay the, ba- you know, it's like, because I need to get musicians that I love. You know, it's too many years of pickup band, and, you know, some of the best pickup bands ever. But it's also like, the dream's always kind of been like, if I could just get a little bit of cash so that I could pay the cats to get together. And, you know, they'd be down to get together. They say, but everyone's busy. If you want to get the real musicians, they're fucking busy. So the only way that everyone can be really happy about it is like, hey, come down, uh, even 50 bucks a man, come down once a week and we'll hit these tunes and like put a real show together. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a complicated answer, but.
0: No, no, no. I, I mean, did it get worse because of the pandemic or was it that bad pre pandemic?
1: I mean, I guess that was a situation pre pinned I mean, whatever. I had my gig, I had my Monday gig, I had like a every other Tuesday where, yeah, we'd we'd each walk three of us with eighty bucks minus whatever, which is fine. Like that's a solid New York City bar gig, and friends come and like musicians come, and it's cool and like talk to dudes I don't get to talk to. Uh, but I was just doing that, you know. It's like years of doing that, and it's getting better. Like I, I'm not. It's important, but yeah, I just, like, I was burnt out on it. Now, since the pandemic, you know, trying to book a gig in New York, and it's like, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's just the game. Like, okay, well, 20% of 250 tickets, if it sells out, it's pay to play. still pay to play. So yeah, right now, I'm feeling like I don't want to play I like I'm willing to not play and thus, I can not even make some money but just like enough to pay the band and like not lose money which I know is a lot to ask and you got to sacrifice It just I've sacrifice I mean whatever I I'm not trying to whine about it but it's like sure, yeah, no, hear it. you. it's like uh, I'm burnt out uh and here in Nashville you know it's like I have friends here but it's again you know i got to put the band together i want to pay them you know at least like a hundred bucks to like make them everyone happy each so that's 300 bucks to get three dudes it's complicated
0: uh so i mean that's that that was going to be my question was if if it wasn't so pay to play would be playing live your preference to being in the studio or is the studio more fulfilling
1: I mean, the studio is pretty fulfilling in a way, just because I'm trying, you know, it's like this quest of, can I make a record here? And like, now I got this 16 track tape machine, you know, I'm gradually getting my, the cheapest of everything to kind of replicate what it would be like to be in a real studio. And as I've spent years and years and years learning to do it, it's like, yeah, that's, you know, can I do it? Like what's it's, it's just on me to make a record here. I mean, paying for the time or having time to do it and paying the rent at the same time is a another thing. But but it's like, yeah, I can kinda make more money selling songs or whatever than going out on the road side man. It's always been this balance too of those things, you know, as as payment for band touring's got less. And then it's like, oh well, you know the writing writings where it's at and but yeah no i mean i want to play i want to play you know i might wait till next year just have this rest of chill time to get my mind together because i want to you know i mean it's definitely i'm pretty sure like if i was meant to do anything that's part of what i was meant to do if i could sound like a ego asshole or whatever but like i gotta i don't know i can't really do anything else so but yeah it's it's funny because yeah i, I kind of have a negative outlook i mean not really but it's just that thing you know it's like ah, all right i'm not gonna go back to new york yet i mean i want to see my friends but it's like yeah i don't want to pay i don't want to pay
0: sounds like it's just a bummer of the realities of being a musician essentially I mean, right no say.
1: totally totally it,
0: it, it's not that you're whining it's just it's the hardship of the that's job. That's the
1: reality. Yeah, that's the reality of of the game, and it's not a lot of money. It's just I'm really enjoying. I thought my break was the pandemic, but it turns out like, of course, that wasn't a break. Are you kidding? We were all losing our fucking minds. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm kind of stable. Like the record's doing good. It's moving forward. Uh, you know the. Th- the thing that needs to get done is more songs to listen to on, you know, not live. And then that's kind of it's like, I'm just you need know, to finish this thing, take a break, probably make some money, doing other shit for a minute. And then next year start to figure out, okay, let's do a tour or trying to build, honestly, trying to build up a little bit more demand, you know, just so like I can get a Five hundred dollar guarantee or
0: something, yeah. You know, justify the beans, a just to more. cover
1: the bases, and then then the boys will come for cheap. You know, I mean, everyone wants to do it, but I want it to be like kind of nice, or like not even that, but like we just like doable where we're not pulling our hair out. So yeah, it's coming, but so far just one gig a year.
0: <laughs> That's okay. So yeah. let's flip the script. up. Tell me what you have to promote. Plug me something. Give me something that you're excited about. Something to look forward to what what can we plug for you
1: yeah i mean i guess still that that record of freak Rose in brooklyn for those that haven't heard it uh, it's
0: fantastic and you should drop what you're do- you should stop listening to this episode go listen to it right now it's amazing like i said it's one of my top 5 it's incredible you
1: know uh, maybe in your car or your truck kind of loud uh so everyone hears like it a- yeah. yeah well it's 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 a little lo-fi so it's meant to bump a, a system in a car ideally um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for listening to it. And oh, it's great. your kind words about it. Uh, that, in, in preparation for the next thing that doesn't have a title, but another nine songs that will be, you know, I think I'm going to play Singles Game on Spotify, but I'll put it up on, I, I think I can put it up on Bandcamp in its entirety and slowly trickle onto Spotify for that game so ideally when i finish it i will be up on pad camp so that all the fun people that want to hear it can finally hear it uh so that yeah that's that's my goal unfortunately there's no title yet
0: well that sounds awesome well ryan i really appreciate your time today man this has been a blast i have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and hearing all about this album that i love so much so i really appreciate your time man thank you
1: well lance thank you so
0: much for for having me it's super sweet and you're too kind i'm lance ingram and this is yesterday's concert thanks for tuning in to another show sources and more information on today's show are available on our website yesterdaysconcert.com while you're there check out some old episodes or connect with us on twitter at concert or on instagram at yesterday's concert and until next time take care of your shoes